What's going on, everybody? It's Cooper and James, and we are from the back pens. It's been a busy couple weeks for me. I've kind of been all over the place, so it's been a little bit tough to link up with James and get some stuff done, but we're halfway through the PBR team season now. I mean, there's five events down, five events left. James, I know you've had fun and I've had fun watching it, but it's crunch time now. So how excited are you for crunch time? Oh, I'm fired up. Just everything just seeming to fall into place in my life right now. And so, you know, this being a part of it only only makes it all that much more fun. So let's get to it. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to give you some of our opinions on where we're at with it halfway through it. We've seen enough of it now. I feel like I have a strong opinion about it. I know, James, you do too. So we'll quit messing around. We'll get right to it. Let's grab them slides, boys, because we're coming at you from the back. Bam. To kick things off, let's just talk about some general thoughts, James, on the whole concept of team bull riding. This doesn't necessarily apply to one team or another. First thing I've noticed is the atmosphere and intensity seems to be up to par. Every team has showed up wanting to win, and you can see it. It's not a hidden fact. So, James, what do you think? Do you think the intensity atmosphere is on par with a normal UTP event? Is it more or less? Where are you at with that? I honestly think as far as the intensity level, it's just as high, if not higher than a UTV because it's not just you. You got a whole team and whenever you fall off and don't do your job. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think the intensity has been there pretty much in every game. There hasn't been a ton of like super serious blowouts. Like for the most part, it comes down to the last one or two bulls on each team, basically almost every game. So the intensity is there the whole time. Generally, it makes it for good watching, in my opinion. Another thing I wanted to bring up, because I was flat out wrong about a couple of these teams, things on paper don't always add up. When you look at some of these teams, what they looked like when they came out of the draft, they're not performing to those standards, in my opinion. Nashville is one of those teams. I thought they were going to be really good, should be competing for a championship. They're sitting at the bottom right now of the pack. So, James, what's your take on that? What team, in your opinion, did you think was going to be just outstanding and they're not doing so hot or vice versa? One that you didn't think much of and they're looking really good. Since you brought up one that you thought would uh, be at the top, I'll bring one up that I thought would be at the bottom that's at the top. And that's Arizona on paper. You know, at the beginning of this thing, we decided to pick teams or whatever me and you did. You picked Oklahoma and I picked uh, Carolina. But I still can't help but be a fan of of this team because all those injuries and just throwing guys together and still getting their job done. Yes, I agree. Arizona was one of the most injury-riddled teams coming out of that draft. They drafted Mauricio Morea, who they still have not used. Chase Doherty hasn't been available yet either for them. So they do have some guys they're counting on, but they've done so well on that free agent market. You get guys like Keyshawn Whitehorse. Allison DeSouza, who is right in the thick of that MVP race, they're getting Vitor Snake back. We're going to see what he looks like in Carolina. I think the sky's the limit for this team. They get a lot of bulls road. They have the best riding percentage in the league right now. Would that, If I'd have told you that back of the draft, what would you have said to that? I would have laughed in your face. It's nothing to do with anybody on that organization or, or coaching or anything like that. But just on paper, it just didn't look like they were going to go anywhere at all and 
Oklahoma is surprising that they're not higher up in the standings as well. Their lineup hasn't looked as good as I thought it would. I think they're starting to get a little healthier, but losing Lockwood, that does hurt their lineup, in my opinion, no doubt about it. The next segment I want to go into, James, is called Teams on the Move. And I've got two teams written down that I think are going to start moving in one direction or the other. The first one's the Missouri Thunder. Now, they've kind of already taken a little bit of a drop. They're already down to fourth. They were sitting at the top for quite a few weeks. Losing Clayton Sellers is tough for this team. I know he hasn't necessarily been as good as we thought he could be in this team series. The talent's there, though. He's a young guy. It's going to be tough for Missouri to replace him, in my opinion. I know you really liked Callum Miller in the preseason. I would be shocked if we don't start seeing him in that lineup. Yeah, as tough and as gritty as that guy is, how could you not put somebody like that in when you don't have a Clayton Sellers or somebody that obviously has got more experience as far as with national finals and being on big stages and things like that. And a team I have written down that I think is going to start rising is kind of a homer pick for me, but the Oklahoma Freedom. I think they're getting healthy enough now. I think you're going to see more of the lineup we thought. Like I mentioned earlier, Lockwood's out, but you're still looking at Eli Vassbinder, Derek Colbaba, Chase Outlaw as your big three. Those guys get it done. Casey Roberts has looked pretty good. I think Briggs, Briggs Madsen has some upside to him. I think those guys just need some more seasoning, but I think Oklahoma's on track here to really finish strong in this regular season. I'll agree with you, but my question is, after well, it's Eli Vassfinder, so it's kind of like J.B. Mooney being hurt. <laughs> it's not really going to matter all that much, but he did limp off and all that the last time that I seen him get on. I don't know the extent of it. I don't know the rules as far as if the guys can say like they can on a UTV, say, yeah, I, I can still get on, or the coaches say, no, we're using this guy or whatever. And I think that's more of a team decision and coach's decision, but at the end of the day, the guy's still going to be there, and you can't replace him even if he's injured. He's like a chase outlaw. You need a guy like that on your team even if he can't compete, which I hope he can. I hope it was nothing serious, but it looked pretty serious to me. But it's Eli Vassbinder, and honestly, he's one of the toughest guys on any tour, so I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, injury is a concern with him. He's looked pretty beat up, but comes down to the fact if you watch the 2021 PBR World Finals, this guy couldn't hardly walk, let alone uh, crawl over the buck and shoots, and he put up some big-time rides, so I know he can do it. Is it concerning? Absolutely, but I know he's capable of getting the job done in that scenario. But let's move over to that MVP race, James, and we're not going to touch on the whole standings. You can look at the website if you want to see that. But I want to touch on some guys that they're not in that top three right now. But these are guys, in my opinion, that have a chance, a long shot to move up and get up into that race. The first one I have written down, Boudreaux Campbell, Carolina Cowboys. He's sitting in the top 10 right now. And Boudreaux, if you watch the Cowboys for a cause, rode really good there, rode two for two. Boudreaux gets hot, man. He can ride 12 of them in a row. So that's why I put him in here. James, what's your take? Well, honestly, I didn't watch the Cowboys for a cause thing. Not because, well, honestly, just because I forgot about it. My question to you is, since he rode two bulls, did uh, both of them go two different directions or did both of them go to the left? First one went to the right. He's about 81 points. So nothing too crazy, but he did knock one out away from his hand. The second one went to the left. He put it on him. 
and that's good to see. And if, if he gets confidence going both directions, because we know everybody at this level can go both directions, they just prefer most of them into their hands, unless you're a Mason Taylor or somebody like that. I think he prefers them away from his hand more than he does into his hand. And that's, that's kind of different, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. If Boudreaux can start getting them rolled both directions and get that confidence rolling, there's no stopping him. We've seen what he can do at the 2020 world finals. The second guy I've written down and this guy's in fourth already. So he's pretty high up there, but Probably the best free agent signing of this whole team series, Alisson Souza, the Arizona Ridge Riders. This guy's been unbelievable this year. They've really leaned on him. If you would have told me that a free agent was going to be this high in the MVP race three months ago, I'd have told you you're crazy. But I did know this guy was this good. We just haven't seen him for a little while, and that was the big question. James, are you surprised by this at all? I mean, I know you really like Alisson Souza too, but I feel like a lot of people feel like this guy came out of left field for him to come in there and be as confident as he was and just treat it like a regular bull riding and kind of dominate there for a little while outside of the top two contenders uh it was surprising to me but not overly surprising like i'm not shocked by it but it was a little surprising but let's take a break and talk about rank ride fantasy for a second if you enjoy what the pbr team series did and especially the draft aspect of that check out Rank Ride Fantasy. They let you put your general manager cap on and you get to make those decisions that a general manager does week in, week out. I played the entire 2022 season and it was a great time. It's a really good way to engage yourself with the bull riding that's happening. When you have something to cheer for or against, it really makes it more exciting to watch, especially when you pick a guy that goes 90 plus points. There's not a better feeling in the world, and it's a really good opportunity to give you and your buddies the opportunity to give each other a hard time, compete against each other. Let's get some bragging rights going. I'm better than you are. I know more than you do. Now you can put it to the test, and bragging rights are always good when you're talking, interacting with your best of friends. It's a really great time. I can promise you, you won't be disappointed, so check out Rank Ride Fantasy at www.rankridefantasy.com. And I will link their social medias in the description below. And also, I will list them at the end of this podcast. But let's get back to it. Let's move on to some, what I'm going to call them, second half surge riders. So these are guys that we haven't seen a lot of yet. These are guys that maybe only have one or two outs, or maybe don't have any outs at all, that I think are going to make big impacts on their respective teams. The first one I've written down, Tyler Oliver, Kansas City Outlaws. He brings a, a new dynamic to that lineup. He was sitting out with a broken neck, but this guy was looking really, really good before that happened. This guy is rank. He can ride all sorts of different types of bulls. The ones guys don't like, he seems to get by. I've got nothing but good things to say about Kyler Oliver. Oh, absolutely. And you've been on his uh, bandwagon a lot longer than I have, even before this season, even before the UTV season started, we had private conversations about this guy and he stepped out there and proved something to me and to come back like that off a broken neck. And yeah, he didn't get his first one rode. I don't even remember if he rode his third one, but I do know that he rode at least one. And so he's back on track. And once he gets some more under his belt and gets some seasoning, from just the broken neck and the time off, watch out. And a guy like that, it won't take long. 
No, I tend to agree with you there. I don't think it's going to take him long to get up to speed. I just think he's too talented and he's too good. I think it'll take him handful of bulls, you know, five to 10. And I think he'll be back to rolling. The second guy, James, we've already kind of touched on him a little bit, but Cooper Davis, Carolina Cowboys, what this guy brings to their lineup that's already really good is incredible. And this is what the freedom thought they were going to have with Lockwood. Unfortunately, that didn't work out for them, but the Carolina Cowboys starting lineup is going to be really deep. You're looking at four guys that are really dang tough, in my opinion. It brings up a question. You got those four guys. Who do you use in the fifth spot? So I'm starting Boudreaux, Dalen, Mason Taylor, and Cooper Davis every week. So that leaves me the one guy. Depends yeah. what bull's sitting there. If it's a bull that I think is going to go to the left, Ramon DeLima all day long. If it's not, then I'm looking at somebody else. I know I've heard him on TV talk about Wingson De Silva, and I've seen him start some really good bull rides. He doesn't always finish them, though, and that doesn't do you any good. But I think that Wingson De Silva can be pretty dang good. I think it's really going to depend on that bull, the bull draw, and where they put everybody because realistically, you're wanting to put Dalen on one that goes to the left. You're wanting to put Boudreaux on one that goes to the left. And also, like we touched on, a lot of times Mason Taylor likes him to the left. That's three guys right there. And out of five Bulls, somebody's going to be the odd man out. So I think the Bulls just make too much too much of a difference for me to have an everyday, every week kind of guy. What about you? I agree with the everyday, every week kind of guy thing. I mean, they're so loaded with depth even on their practice squad, as you might want to call it, or second string, or even third string for that matter. Before we move on from the Carolina Cowboys, I totally forgot about this guy, and I don't know what the deal is here. I haven't heard why they haven't been using him, if it's injury or something else, but you throw Cannon Cravens into that mix because he is signed as far as I know. I guess that could have changed, but I believe I saw him on the roster last time I looked. And I don't know why they haven't been using him, but you add him into that mix. It's a pretty dang good team, you ask me. Oh, absolutely. And one more thing before we move on from Carolina. If you're Jerome Davis and just everybody in the office at Carolina, how much pressure does that take off of you knowing Cooper Davis is back with the other guys behind him? It's huge. I'll have a video on YouTube out later this week. You're going to see what I think of them. Because they're, uh, they're pretty high up there in them rankings. I'll just say that. But let's move on to the last guy I had written down. Another guy near and dear to your heart, Arkansas native. He now calls Oklahoma home, I guess. But Chase Outlaw, the freedom. Look, he's been out for a long time. And so when guys are out for that long, it's pretty tough to expect them to come in and look like nothing's, nothing's changed. They haven't missed a beat. It's going to take him probably a little while, but when this guy gets back and if he's healthy in this setting, he is a spark plug for any team. I don't care who it is. You have to use him, and he's going to deliver more than he doesn't. James, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about Chase. Oh, if you want to know, you know my personal thoughts and things on Chase, and I don't mind sharing that with the world, but Chase Outlaw is more than just a bull rider. He's a motivator. You know, he rode one the other day. And then he jumps on the the shoots and says, it's freedom, baby. So I could see a bunch of fans having T-shirts made saying, it's freedom, baby, or something like that during Oklahoma's home game just for fun. But uh, as far as Chase himself, yeah, he's had so many injuries 
That's the only thing that's kept him from winning a world title. You look back at 2019, he finished third in the world. And beyond that, if I'm me and Chase is available and I got to go compete in like a CrossFit competition, I want that guy in my ear. I want that same kind of energy. So even if, God forbid, God, I hope not, and I don't want to wish this on anybody, but even if, you know, he's not producing and more injuries happen, that's a guy you have to have on your team, in my opinion, to just keep the morale up and to keep everybody fired up and ready to go and moving forward. I, I completely agree with you. The intensity factor, the competitive side of that equation is a big deal in this team series. And there are some guys who are more important to that equation than the others. And Chase Outlaw is one of those guys that's important, no doubt. But let's move on to our last segment of the day, James. And I'm going to call it contender or pretender. So I'm going to name a team, talk a little bit about them, and I'm going to send it to you. You tell me if you think they're a pretender or a contender, and then I'll also give my take on it as well. The first team I've written down, the Missouri Thunder. So like we mentioned, injuries are going to make this team look a little different. They started really hot. They've won some ugly games, but they have had a little bit of a downward stretch since then, James. In your opinion, are the Missouri Thunder a contender or a pretender? I think it's too early for me to say they're a pretender. Ask me the same question next week, and it may be a whole different story, but give them a little more time because there's a lot of there's a lot of teams that have have two or three zeros on their record at this point. There's a lot of them that haven't went three straight like they have. I get that, but to have Ross Coleman and and those tough, gritty guys like Colton Frischland, which is a guy that we really forgot to mention, in my opinion, in the MVP race, to uh, have those guys. they still got a solid team, and they're going to have to get a little lucky, but they've been getting lucky all season, in my opinion. So you kind of made my point for me, because I'm going to call them a pretender, because you look back at some of these wins they've had. They're winning. They won a game 58-0. to I mean, that's not going to win you 99% of them. So... They've won quite a few of those like one ride type games. I'm not taking anything away from them because I do think they're good. But at some point, if you're just continuously relying on that kind of luck to win, it will change. So that's why I put them as a pretender. Do I think they could still finish as a top three team? Yes, but I think their path to that got a little tougher. That's that's my opinion on it. So the next team I have written down, the Oklahoma Freedom. And these guys really haven't looked as good as I expected them to. They're down a lot farther than I thought they would be. But like we've touched on, I think they're starting to get healthy. Cord, it doesn't matter what's going on. Cord is going to be positive 24-7, 365. He's got to be pretty enjoyable for a rider to be on his team with. I've got to imagine just knowing Cord. So James, I'm going to send it to you. Even though they're not going to get Jess Lockwood, are the freedom contenders or are they pretenders? Depends on who they use. I think they should be using Briggs Matson a lot more than what they have, in my personal opinion. But I will put them in the contender category because of the Chase Outlaw factor and because of the Derek Obaba factor and a lot of the different factors. But also, you got to look at that and go, well, Derek's either going to be extremely hot or extremely cold. So that could either help or hurt them. And then, you know, there's different guys you can look at, and I don't want to go that deep into depth. And if you want to 
uh, go that deep into depth. Cooper's going to put up a video on YouTube later that kind of does that for us. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's kind of one of those deals. We don't like to get too crazy nerdy on the actual podcast, but YouTube, I, I definitely kind of do get a little nerdy on it, but that's all right. Yeah, I, I really think Oklahoma's on the rise. I'm not as concerned about who they're using as long as their big three get the job done. If they can find two rides from Colbaba, Vassbinder, and Outlaw in any combination, I think they can find a third in most cases. Oh, yeah. That's why I think they're going to start rising. It's been I, rough. It's been really rough for them. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I know you won't either, but I don't. This team doesn't finish as low as they are by the time we get to Vegas. Next team, though, this one really, really shocks me, if I'm going to be honest. The Nashville Stampede, they're sitting in like seventh or eighth. Like They're almost in dead last if they're not. This team on paper is so much better than what they're doing in the arena right now. I'm not sure what McBride's going to do. I wouldn't be totally shocked if we start to see some younger guys get a shot in their starting lineup because, James, correct me if I'm wrong, they've pretty much stuck with the same guys for the most part. They're pretty much rolling with Kaike. When they got Manolito back, they use him. They've been using Tiago Salgado a lot. They use Joao Lucas a lot. And I guess they've floated Matt Triplett, Ryan Dirty in there, but those are kind of their main guys they've been using. Would you be shocked if you start to see Mason Moody, Jackson, and Morton, and some of those guys on the practice squad get a shot? Because these top guns, man, they're just not getting the job done right now. At the end of the day, your job is to win, and what you're doing right now isn't working, so I agree with you. So with that being said, James, is Nashville a contender or a pretender? Because right now you can't really call them a contender, but are they going to be a contender by the time we get to Vegas? That's a coin flip at this time. In my opinion, on paper, they're a contender, but the way they're performing, they're pretenders. I've got them written down as a contender. I do agree with you. What we've seen right now, they're pretending, but I got to think Justin McBride's going to figure this out. This guy's too competitive. He's way too good of a bull riding mind to have this mediocrity continue, in my opinion. And I know it's driving him crazy. You can see in his body language when you watch a broadcast, when they lose, he is he's looking for answers. So I wouldn't be shocked if you start to see some movement with their starting lineup. However, I do think this team, by the time the playoffs in Vegas start, I think they're going to be a tough out. I really do. I don't, I don't see how Kaike Pacheco rides like he has been for the rest of the year. But let's move into our last team. Arizona Ridge Riders, man, if you would ask me this two months ago, I would have said they'll be no higher than six. I had three teams pegged that I didn't see getting above six, and I've been wrong a couple times already. Those three teams were the Kansas City Outlaws, the Texas Rattlers, and these guys. They're sitting in third right now. No, second. They have the highest riding percentage in the league. They're not putting up a bunch of 90-point rides, but I'll tell you what, they get they get a couple bulls road more than probably anybody else in the league. James, are the Arizona Ridge Riders contenders or pretenders? They are definitely contenders. If you look at riding percentages as far as games, you know, they're riding three or four bulls a game sometimes. Sometimes they don't ride any. But most of the time, it's usually two to three bulls a game, sometimes four. What I really like about Arizona is, from what I understand of the format in Vegas, is everybody has a shot at the end of the day. 
I, I mean, like we've touched on before on this podcast, as far as I know, that's how it is. If that's incorrect, I apologize, but that's how we both understand it. This is a team that has a very real chance to go down to Vegas, in my opinion, and upset some of these heavy hitters like Carolina, where they're kind of 90 or nothing. Let's be honest. Like those guys are either going to be upper 80s to low 90s or they're not getting a lot of scores. That's just how they've been all year. Arizona's not like that. Arizona's consistent. They get bulls road. So let's say they're in a semifinal matchup with Austin and, and the only guy to stay on for Austin's Jose. I'll take Arizona all day. They'll get two bulls road. I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. And and that's the thing also with them that makes them also also a possible winner of this thing, in my opinion, that's better than any other team that I've seen, like with the Carolina Cowboys or whatever. You know, they kind of got to get their first one knocked down to get the momentum going to to get everybody fired up, and then they carry it over and they win a lot of games that way. Well, Arizona could have two of their guys buck off in a row and the next three guys step up and ride them. Yeah, I don't I don't think they ride the roller coaster quite as bad as some of the other teams do. And I guess, you know, realistically, when you look at this, I would have to go back and look at how they get drawn up. But Arizona tends to draw bulls well. So you can say, well, is that because they're getting the right bulls every time or are their guys just making it work? I mean, that's kind of a kind of the question, in my opinion. But when you look at what they're doing, as long as they keep staying on bulls, this is going to be a tough team to beat. I'm going to ask you, contender or pretender at this point, just because I'm curious now, uh, what do you think about the outlaws? I mean, we've seen them up. We've seen them down. We've seen them in between. We've seen them they're about to take off. We've seen them, oh, no, this is not going to be good. Um, so what are your thoughts on them? Are they, going to, are they going to be pretenders or contenders? I hate to say it because I actually kind of low-key like this team because of the qualities they show in the arena. This is probably one of the grittiest teams you're going to see. But you look at Hevelo and these other young guys, like they're they're willing to keep their hands shut. And I mean, they're taking shots. And it's not just like a once a event kind of deal. That Colton Hevelo will take some some shots and he'll do it two, three days in a row. And he comes back, he's still ready to go. I'm really impressed with him. From a toughness standpoint, at 19 years old, he's got a lot of room to grow. That kid could be really, really good one day. They're going to be better with Oliver back. Marcus Mast has really surprised me. I wouldn't have guessed that. And he's right up there in conversation with Alessandra Souza as far as free agent signings go. Dalton Castle, Kyler, Marcus Mast, then it's young guys. I just don't think over time that they do have what it takes to actually go up there and try to beat some of the better teams consistently. But you put them in a one versus one thing in a playoff scenario, they can squeak wins out. Absolutely. They could definitely be a spoiler. My only issue with that is, and I agree, I think they're contenders. I really do. But my only issue is they're too tough. What I mean by that is there's no such thing as too tough in bull riding. But, I mean, look at Bob Mitchell. Every time he gets off the ground these days, they nearly have to carry him out of the arena, but he's still getting on his bull, but he's not making the whistle as much as he as he was. So will injuries, because of the way that they don't look off and that they try so hard, I know that probably causes more injuries for this team because you can just look at them. They're all kind of limping and tough, and that's the way we want them. That's the way JW was, but will that cost them five weeks from now by the time they get to Vegas Will they lose some guys? Will they not even be healthy enough to 
deal with that? What are your thoughts on that? I'm not going to put stock in that at all. And I do know where you're coming from. And this is why I'm not going to is to me trying to predict injuries in any sport. It's just not worth it. You're just not going to be right a lot of the times. Yeah, they do try hard. I mean, they are going to put themselves in some sketchy situations. There's no doubt about it. They do it every week. And to be on that team, you have to do that. JW Hart ain't going to roster you if you're not. So they don't really have a choice. And quite honestly, if I'm going to get a guy hurt, I would rather him get hurt because he was trying his guts out than taking an early exit. But I think that'll be about it for today, James. Do you have any closing thoughts before we get out of here? Oh, absolutely. I'm just glad to be back on there and to talk about these things. And moving forward to uh, Carolina days, will they be the first team to uh, win one of their home games? And will somebody go five for five uh, this week? You better tune in and find out. And if you don't, then tune into the podcast and we'll tell you all about it. But thank you all for listening so much. And If you don't learn anything at all from me, always learn this, that every day is a gift from God and what you do with it, quite simply. And honestly, that's your gift back to him. Coop, thanks for the time and the friendship. The floor is all yours, brother. Back at you, man. It's been a good one. And like James said, yep, the tour goes into Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I don't know. The Cowboys are looking pretty good, in my opinion. So if I was a betting man, they would be a team I'm looking at. But before we get out of here, if you like what we're doing, don't be afraid to follow the podcast on any of your platforms, rate it, comment, whatever you got to do. It does nothing but help. And if you're looking for more in-depth kind of things like what James was talking about earlier as well, head on over to the YouTube page. We really do get more in-depth there as far as really talking about exactly who's on what teams, et cetera, stuff like that. So if that's what you're looking for, we're over there on YouTube. We will list our social medias as well as Rankrad Fantasy social media in the episode description below. Go on over and check out their social media platforms. They've got some exciting stuff going on over there. Some new stuff too. So it's it's looking pretty cool over there. You're definitely going to want to stay tuned to that. But until next time, you guys have a great one. Come back and visit us again from the back. Damn.